Hello, race fans. Welcome to another edition of the EKN Debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. Actually, episode number 41, February the 19th, 2019. My name is Rob Howden, joined as always by David Cole. The event we will be reviewing today, the final round of the 2019 Supercarts USA Winter Series, rounds three and four from AMR Homestead Miami Motorplex, presented by MG Tires. We'll work our way through the paddock pass. We'll go race report. And David and I will talk a lot uh, about what we're going to be doing over the next month to six weeks. This week's show presented by Franklin Motorsports. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience. And they can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. They specialize in IAMI engines, tilt seats, and of course, their championship-winning Merlin chassis. They've been supplying racers with start-to-finish support at race events for years, from providing a helping hand on a weekday test outing or at a club event, to full arrive-and-drive packages at the highest level of karting competition. For all things karting, visit franklincart.com. All right, David, we're going to jump in here uh, with the overview, how we start all of our uh, debrief podcasts. Again, it is the Supercarts USA Winter Series rounds three and four. Uh, we, we, I was down in Homestead. It was our dual weekend. Uh, we were using that hashtag, actually, dual, hashtag dual weekend, because I was in Florida, you were in California. We'll do that a couple more times this year as we do have a couple of conflicts uh, with our partner series, where I'll be at one place and you'll be somewhere else. Um First and foremost, obviously, one of the big things to talk about was the weather. You know, the fact that it was pretty nice weather for us on Saturday. Stark contrast to what you guys had at, at Coda. I, I felt bad for you because I'm watching the video. I mean, I'm watching all your photos. And, and you know, it's, as I'm working and I, we're posting stuff to Facebook, we can see what you're posting when, when you were posting the, the morning stuff. All of a sudden, you know, the rain came, and I just started to say, man, David's not going to be loving life out there. Yeah, rain rain's not exactly a fun uh, atmosphere to be in, but uh, it does provide some great photos. So that's, that's the flip side of it. So, you know, I would much rather be in the snow taking photos because snow is easier to get off. You know, it's, it's not soaking (laughs) your body, making you feel cold where snow it's easy. I'm used to that. I hate rain. Well, I will say this, you nailed out some fantastic photography. Um, you're getting better and better at it. Obviously you've been doing it for the last, uh, you know, ton of years, what, 10 years probably now, or maybe even more since you actually jumped uh, behind the, the lens of the camera, but some really good shots there. And of, and of course, you know, down to the Scusa race, the winter series, they always work with Todd McCall and Ken Johnson from on track promotions, their images see you know, second to none all the time. Fantastic. Uh, let's do the quick overview of the, the winter series final round. Of course, the final two rounds of the series, just a, just a two weekend program for the, for the winter tour. Uh, you know, knowing, I think last year when they launched it, knowing that they were going to have the, you know, the winter nationals for the first week of March, there's no sense really to come back again a couple of weeks later and do the, a third round of the winter program, even though that's kind of been the, the, the set number of races over the, over the years. Scoots are going just for those two weekends, kind of the, I called it the unofficial spring training, although winter training would have been a better term, especially off season training, get people dialed in for the pro tour, a chance to, especially for some of the younger drivers to get out there, run against some higher level competition of course, before we head to Fontana and the Winter Nationals on the opening weekend of March. So again, Scusa getting back to Florida for the second year. I talked all about the fact that it was Supercarts USA. Don Janowski, Joe Janowski, Jim Murley, who actually started the first Winter Tour program back in 1998, 1999. 
cool to see Scusa come back. And of course, with any organization, they're trying to, you know, they're a national organization. So to have that, that program in, uh, in Florida, I think is key for them to expand away from their California base. One thing, David, about this particular weekend, I know you saw it, and we'll talk about it more you know, in the paddock pass, but we ran the track in the reverse direction from the January event. Both events at Homestead this year. Last year was Homestead for the opener, Ocala for the second race. Both races at Homestead. Uh, the reverse direction, pretty interesting to say the least, I think. You you saw some of the, 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 the shots. You were watching what I was doing. I was watching what you were doing, and you were messaging me asking about track limits. I'll get into that in the paddock pass, but yeah, the, you could see from the images that things were a little different going in the other direction. Well, it's 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 conducive to what the facility is. I mean, the facility there and along with what we have yeah. at, at, at Cal Speed that weekend was it's a parking lot. There's no grass. There's no dirt. It's it's basically lines around the pavement marking where the where the where the circuit is and it's very similar to what you see uh, in some of the some of the Formula One racetracks, where it's it's you know thirty to 40, 50 feet of pavement after the racing line, where the where the actual circuit is defined, and and it's it's obviously something that we're we're going to be addressing in the paddock pass, but it's going to be something we'll be we're going to address in the future with you know the upcoming Winter Nationals coming up at at Cal Speed. And, and just the way other circuits kind of handle this GoPro Motorplex is another uh, facility that has certain runoff areas that that essentially take the cart four tires off of the off the the actual defined racing circuit. Yeah. And, and that's an issue. You know, that's, again, something that would be a, a perfect topic for a roundtable or at least one of the roundtable topics, because. You're right, and I'll get to that in a second in in paddock pass. But as you mentioned, very similar to the Formula One track in Austin, right? Circuit of the Americas. All you ever hear about is is uh, is track limit violations because even in the final corner, you can roll way to the outside and and get the other side of the curbing. And I, again, that's a topic we'll we'll come up bring up later on, but definitely something that was worth discussing in the overview of this uh, final round of the Scusa Winter Series. Weather-wise, as I said, we did eventually get some rain. There was some rain overnight on Friday, so it was damp in the morning when the guys and girls were heading out for practice. Rain actually didn't come Saturday, but it did come on Sunday. We got hit pretty good uh, right as we started the main events, the 206 drivers. And it, it's funny because it was like a small cell was coming in. You could see it starting to come in, and I think it, we were all – I mentioned on the broadcast, ah, it looks like there's some rain coming in. I could see you know, the dark clouds coming, and all of a sudden, boom. And it was probably about a five-minute sell. That was about it. And it just absolutely downpoured on the 206 guys uh, when they were out for their main. Joe Janowski wisely called the race red, brought the carts into the scales, put it on, you know, essentially put us on hold for 10 minutes to wait for the cell to go through. We were all watching the radar. Once the cell had gone through, we got back to racing again. We put the mini, the MicroSwift drivers who were on the grid, brought them out for their main, and then brought the 206 guys through the scales and put them back on the grid. And I'll tell you, very impressive for the micro swift kids. Now, here we are in full wet conditions and the driver's not ready for it. And who do we throw out? <laughs> the youngest drivers in the entire program. And they performed so well. I was so impressed with the way they were able to get around. Really no issues. A couple of little spins, but otherwise uh, the micros did a great job in full wet conditions. As we do, David, in the, in the, in the overview all the time, um, We'll talk numbers. Uh, 185 drivers total, uh, significantly down from the 234 that they started with on the opener. Uh, we'll go into some of the numbers. To be honest, 
we've done this for many years, David, you and I know this from race to race to race in a three race winter program, you're going to drop 10 to 15% off throughout that program. That's kind of really the thought process knowing going into those races, correct? That's correct. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's typical with it really any series that you see, uh, even during the summer months. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, and the, the interesting thing about the numbers here is I said significantly off, right? So they drop what, almost 40, uh, almost 40, the, the actually almost 50, right? To one, yeah. 185 from, th- from 235. The interesting thing is that in from mo- mo- majority of the categories, it was a regular drop off. Micro Swift, Mini Swift, both down by two x30 master down by five pro shifter just one master shifter down by two even the k100 junior category down by down by six from 18 to 12 that was bigger but it really was the juniors and the seniors and i wonder i'm wondering why because obviously the opening round everybody goes crazy 56 drivers in junior 54 in senior you know we're opening things back up we're running lcqs and, and split heats this time we roll out it's still good numbers 46 in junior, 36 in senior, junior drops 10 and senior drops 18. I wonder if some people just maybe were not happy because they didn't make the, didn't make the main event after the LCQ, whatever it may be. But again, the primary drop other than what we would have expected being a second round of a winter program, even a summer program, as you said, it was that senior one, 18 driver drop in senior. That's pretty wild to be honest. It is. It's, it's, it's a big drop, but again, that's the thing with the winter series. It's not really necessarily something people are going to strive to do completely uh, unless you are one of those top five finishers, top 10 finishers from the first round or first couple of uh, rounds or the first weekend. So there's really no, no sense to, to go back down there, the, you know, less than a month later and, and, and do it all over again if you're just trying to prepare for the upcoming season. Some people, you know, as you said, it's winter winter training. It's it's to to provide the uh, the opportunity to to one maybe get away from the winter weather that's up north, or two just to just to get back on the racetrack uh, after maybe not being on the racetrack since 2018. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what it is, David. I think you're hitting the nail on the head because uh, you know first and f- first and foremost that first race of the year, a lot of guys haven't raced either from the supernats. So count that to almost two months since November, or maybe even before that. Some people may have stopped in October. It could have been three months. And of course, they're all itching to get back at it. You know, there's going to be lots of people down for the first round in Homestead. So you go to that one. It's a big expense to go to these races. We know that too. So maybe someone says, you know, we're going to go to one. And then two months later, we're going to head out. We'll do the practice day at the at the Winter Nationals and we'll go racing. What? So. And, and think about it with junior and senior, all of these drivers are pretty much under the age of 18. So they're, you know, in the, for the month of February, they got to miss school where January, they might've been able to be on winter break still or Christmas break. So it's, you know, the, there's a lot of different factors that, that boil into the number of drivers that do attend races and the number of drivers that don't attend races. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So there you have it, folks. That's the overview. David Cole and I are talking about the Supercarts USA Winter Series finale. That's the overview. We're going to get into it after this. We've got to jump into the paddock pass when we get back from this break, but stay with us. Just getting things going here. Episode number 41 of the EKN Debrief. The shift is on to a new brand and a new way of thinking. 
Mad Old Nut Racing and Croc Promotion USA are focused on changing the paradigm when it comes to race teams in this sport. And the goal is to support dedicated young racers by giving them the tools and opportunities to succeed. Originally born as Mad Croc, the new branding is Croc Promotion, and Armando Fellini's product continues its dedication to quality and innovation. Croc Promotion USA is the American importer and distributor, and Mad Old Nut Racing is the official race team. We're ready to attack in 2019, and our race results speak for themselves. A.J. Myers swept the first four Winter Series shifter cut races of the year, and Andrew Bedozo continues to assert himself as an emerging player. Croc Promotion has momentum. Dedicated and talented young drivers, supported and mentored by team owners who know business and who are passionate about karting. That's Croc Promotion USA. That's Mad Old Nut Racing. Search for us on social media and give us a follow. From coast to coast, IAMI has become the two-cycle engine of choice for American karting. Starting with the air-cooled 60cc Swift engine for micro and mini drivers and moving through the incredible X30 power plant for junior, senior and masters, IAMI is providing much-needed stability for the sport. In 2018, the new KA100 Rejet engine took the karting community by storm and it will be a core class on the Scusa Winter Series and Pro Tour, as well as the United States Pro Kart Series, Route 66 Sprint Series, and the WKA Manufacturers Cup Program. Watch for more regions, series, and events to get on board with this new IAMI formula. This year, IAMI USA is debuting the new SSE 175cc shifter engine, which will be the foundation of Supercart's USA Gearbox competition for the future. The engine has been custom designed with a balanced equation of performance and reliability. We have two distribution centers in the U.S. to serve you well. IAMI East in Mooresville, North Carolina, and IAMI West in Temecula, California. The momentum is continuing to build. It's time to make an investment in stabilizing your engine program. For more information, head to the website for your region. IAMIUSAEast.com or IAMIUSAWest.com. IAMI the heart of Kirk. Welcome back to episode number 41 of the EKN Debrief. My name is Rob Howden, joined as always by David Cole as we uh, break down one of the races we were just at. Of course, this past weekend uh, was February 8th, 9th, and 10th. The weekend before, actually, we're actually about uh, a week out from when I was going to record this, but uh, super busy last week. Dave and I both did uh, double duty that weekend. He was in, at CODA, the Ch uh, Challenge of the Americas event at Cal Speed. I was at Homestead for the final two rounds of the Supercarts USA uh, Winter Series. We'll go over those today. Jumping in now to the Paddock Pass, some of the stuff that I, I kind of picked up from walking around the pit area. This edition of the Paddock Pass presented by Comet Racing Engines. Looking for that extra edge? Comet Racing Engines is your answer. The engine service program from Comet Kart Sales has been winning from coast to coast at all levels and different forms of the sport. Comet Racing Engines continually perform track and dyno tests to provide their customers with the cutting edge in engine performance. Trackside and customer support are the cornerstone of the Comet Racing Engines business, ensuring that each and every customer receives personal attention and the help they need to achieve the best results. Contact the Comet team at CometKartSales.com or by calling. 
one three. All right, David, I've got what five or six five bits to, to chat about here in the paddock pass. Reverse direction. That's I think that was the first thing I wanted to bring up because you know a lot of talk you know, was about that particular approach going in. You know, people run counterclockwise at at, uh, at Homestead. I love the track counterclockwise. I've raced it a couple of times. I really dig it. Uh, reverse layout clockwise, quite a bit different. And to be honest, some guys just didn't pick up the track, I think, quite as quickly as others. You know, we talked about track limits being a discussion. Um, so to, to lay that out for those of you who maybe just listened or saw some of the, some of the, the uh, photography or some of the video, uh, they opened up track limits. It really surprised me, Dave, in the final corner and the first corner. So the final corner is that, you know, turn 10 left-hander into a double apex right. Which is just, and not even double apex right. It's more like a right-hand turn 11, short shoot, right-hand turn 12. They, they essentially allowed the guys to do this big sweeping corner all the way to the outside of the, uh, the curb and then come back. I, did, I really don't know why. I would with the video marshaling system that Scusa has, I really would rather have seen them say, Hey, listen, we've got the video. You were four wheels out. It's a five second penalty. I'm not really sure. I didn't really sit down with Joe Janowski to ask him. I was, you know, we were just doing what we were doing, and that that's what his plan was. Not sure if that was the best idea, although the racing was still really good. It's you know? yeah, it boils down to not wanting to officiate that section of the of the racetrack. Really, it was what it boils down to. Yeah. It's Video doesn't lie. It's not hard. Uh, you point a camera directly down the line. Of, uh, you know any carts that go four wheels off without contact is deemed to be penalized. And and again, yeah. there pro- maybe there's not anything in the rule book regarding that. So maybe that's one particular reason why they decided not to enforce track limits uh, because maybe that that's never been addressed in the rule book. That's it's not something I typically look for in a, in a rule book is track limits because True. 95% of the racetracks we go to are either defined by grass or by walls uh, or tech pros. And yeah. you know, when you go to yeah, supernat, right. so, uh, and that, and that's the thing that boggles my mind is, is you, you, we talk about it over and over and over again at the, at the super nationals about how they have barriers where they don't need barriers. And then they don't have barriers where they should have barriers. Well, to yep. define the racetrack in those certain areas, you have a barrier, place a barrier. Um, and, and so again, I, I, I don't understand why. Uh, but again, you, you know, as we talked about at the, for my weekend, it, it was the same thing. There's, there's very little barriers at Cal speed. It's all defined by painting painted lines. And, yeah. and so as we talked about in the wet weather, guys were going off the sealer, to get gain more grip on the on the wet surface to 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 net negotiate certain corners of the racetrack you know it's it's something we're going to have to address at the winter nationals for sure if inclement weather does come down now dry weather wise i don't see that really being an issue at all such as it was at homestead it's interesting i raced or i, I actually drove at, at cal speed a couple of weeks ago with josh huff he put together the, the 206 uh, VLR for me to drive around. And there were areas on that track, even in the 206, where you don't run within the lines. You know, it just when you come onto the straightaway, out of the S's coming down the hill in that particular direction, that counterclockwise direction on whatever track I was on, Sportiva, whatever it was, you know, you're you're all the way over to the outside of the track, even in the 206, keeping the momentum up, and you're just not getting into the barriers. Well, that, they have barriers on the outside, but you're, you're I, I'm straddling the, 
the line for sure. Yeah, that's that's one area that they did lay down uh, some tech pros or, or barriers to, to keep them in in somewhat the track limits. Um, and okay. again, it wasn't a lot. You know, it wasn't a, a massive amount of going off track. It's again, you're, you're straddling the line, I think, with your left tires. You know, I, I think yep. it's I think it was a little different for for the challenge weekend than when you were there uh, the weekend before that. So, uh, again, yeah. But again, when you, when you don't have grass or dirt or, or actual barriers defining the track, I mean, the drivers are going to push it, push the limits. The remainder of my paddock pass uh, notes here, essentially talking about uh, different teams and different drivers, because it was interesting to see some drivers that we haven't seen in a while come back. Some guys were, uh, were driving different chassis, uh, first and foremost, I think one of the impressions coming out of the box here to start 2019 when it comes to at least Supercarts USA racing is the uh, the impression that's been made by the guys from Mad Old Nut Racing and Croc Promotion uh, with, of course, A.J. Myers, uh, Andrew Bedozo. They had Joey Atanasio with them this weekend as well on a Croc Promotion chassis. The, this program's obviously just starting to get rolling. It's been kind of a Southern California deal with Mad Old Nut Racing. Uh, it was, of course, Mad Croc at one point, uh, which is, a, you know, that was the brand name that was leveraged off a, an energy drink, I believe. There's a, a bunch of Mad Croc racers down in Australia. Of course, they do well uh, over in Europe as well. Now Croc Promotion. In fact, they've got a future IndyCar driver, Ben Hanley, is doing some driving for them as well. But over here, they've really started to make things happen. Of course, getting the number one ranked driver in the country, not a bad idea, in A.J. Myers, but he is really kind of melded to the culture uh, that Todd Ullman's got going at that mad old nut racing program. And they're going to be a really interesting story, I think, to watch throughout the season because there's a cool culture there. There's a cool atmosphere and attitude. Andrew Bedozo stepping up and looking very strong. Of course, A.J. Myers winning the championship and pro shifter. A great battle with Billy Musgrave. So there's that kind of dynamic going on. Um, I think you'll see more people joining up with that team. But Croc Promotion is going to be something to watch. I think David throughout the 2019 season, it's uh, the pro shifter stuff looked pretty cool. And, and you throw Ramirez in there with PSL, you throw Kyle Wick in there. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think to watch what happens in pro shifter, especially with Croc promotion being kind of this new kind of arrival on the scene. Well, I think you said it when they added, you know, AJ Myers to the fold uh, at the end of last year, that was kind of the, the turning point for, for this program. Uh, when they've, they've tried it before with Billy Musgrave in the tag program, but, but it didn't really work out to what I think they wanted it to be. Because again, the tag market is so saturated with a number of different brands where, where the shifter market I think is more open. I mean, you see CRG really dominate. You have a lot of other different, uh, brands, you know, it's all but Tony cart or OTK that, that race shifters, I think that, that are out there. So it's, it's more of a viable, avenue for for the mad old nut racing and croc promotions program to go towards and and adding aj myers is a is a is a huge plus and and obviously they've started out the 2019 season strong one thing about croc promotion and mad old nut racing you'll see uh, a brand new livery coming the whole mad croc as i said that mad, the mad croc energy drink kind of separated themselves from the the actual team itself so essentially what's going to happen the croc promotion now uh, brand new livery new colors they debuted everything at one of the cart shows, cart shows in, in Europe uh, over the winter. So watch for new livery and a whole new branding and, coming from and them. And it looks a lot better. On. It looks a lot better. It does. 
it looks badass. It, yeah, it does look a lot better. I agree. It's it's uh, it's hard to photograph all black carts aside from the CRG really because they have that orange that stick out. You got to have the contrast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, you're right. It doesn't. It just doesn't pop as much uh, when you're as as David, the photographer, will tell you. Uh, a couple other interesting additions. Let's first talk about Braden Eves coming back. Braden recently uh, signing with Cape Motorsports to run in, in USF 2000 in the road to Indy this year, but doing some some kart racing as well. He came back and ran with VME Kart USA. Was very quick out of the box. Was in a you know top ten guy uh, throughout a majority of the weekend. Braden, of course, a, a Pro Tour winner in, in the past. Uh, a very talented young driver, following in the footsteps of guys like Oliver Askew and Kyle Kirkwood. So it was good to see Braden back. Uh, a, a guy that we haven't actually seen on the pro tour really a lot in American karting, but came back. He's a veteran of the road to Andy. It's Calvin Ming from Guyana uh, lives in, in America now, but he's actually coming back to, to stay fresh in karting. He raced the first round, David, of the, of the winter series with Kart Sport North America on a Kart Republic. Then he moved this past race for the finale and ran with the guys at Musgrave on the Illuminos and I actually messaged with, uh, with Calvin, um, this last night and today, and it, he was very, very uh, pr- uh, positive about his time with Illuminos, or rather on the Illuminos with Musgrave. He's actually going to take this year off from the road to India in his, his car career to finish up his studies at university. But he just told me he's going to run the whole Pro Tour. So he's going to be at the Winter Nationals, Calvin Mingwell, running with uh, in the Pro Shifter with, uh, with the Musgraves. So I thought that was kind of a cool addition to see this guy who's doing Road to Indy come back and take a year off, essentially, from Road to Indy. And man, he's gonna do some karting with us. I think that's kind of cool. That's very cool to see. Again, many of the many of the racers that uh, are in the road to Indy or have already gone through it, uh, they 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 always find their way back to their roots. Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, last but not least, when it comes to uh, different chassis, um, Annie Rule did a tremendous job in the, in the X thirty Junior class. She was uh, essentially top five runner all weekend. Maybe let's say top ten because she really came on in both of the main events. She was able to work her way to third, I believe, on Saturday. And I want to say a fifth-place finish on Sunday in the X30 Junior category. She was running with Solo Kart. Adam Pettit and uh, Salvatore Sparacio, their program, the Solo Kart deal. Beautiful chassis, gorgeous livery, nice nice presentation. But they were good all weekend. Even the, the two guys in X30 Master were fast. But, man, I'll tell you, Andy Rule picked up that Solo Kart, David. And I know you got a chance to see her way more than I do when it comes to USPKS or or uh, WK Manufacturers Cup, but she was on a roll there in that new chassis, that solo cart. And uh, man, she, like I said, she raced her way under the podium uh, on day one and could have did the same thing on day two. Well, yeah, going into the year, she was going to be one of those junior rookies that we were going to be watching uh, throughout the season. Obviously, I think she has the, uh, she's there because of the age, you know, I think she turned 13, so, or is 12 turning 13. So she has the experience because as you said, you know, over year after year, she's always been, uh, you know, a, a podium contender yeah. uh, in her cadet career year after year. So um, it's good to see her grasp the, the the bigger cart now already in just what, you know, two or three events uh, already into the 2019 season. If what Andy did at, at Homestead is any indication, I think uh, she could challenge for a lot of podiums this year. She was uh, really impressive. Need to find a little more speed. But I, I expect to see her, David, as a top 10 uh, driver throughout the 2019 season. Well, there's the Paddock Pass wrapped up, again, presented by Comet Racing Engines. We'll cu- cut to another quick break, and when we come back, it's time to rock into the race report. Let's start looking at the categories that capped off this year's Scuso Winter Series.
joining the Rawlson Performance Group is the obvious choice to take your racing to the next level. Industry-leading driver development is provided by our staff of multi-time national champions, Super Nationals winners, and former Team USA members. And at the same time, RPG continues to be a national-level powerhouse race team. Our goal is to help you raise your game and win races. Rawls Performance Group is setting a new standard with our in-house engine program, AVP Engines, headed by Alex Vincent. AVP has become the benchmark in the IAMI X30 categories. We have the largest trackside OTK inventory, providing parts to racers and teams at all the major events in North America. RPG can also offer multilingual support, as we have French and Portuguese-speaking staff. If you want to fight for championships or want to improve your skills and your chances to win, the answer is to call RPG at 503-260-4514. The Rawlison Performance Group. We race to win. If the dream is IndyCar, set your target on the road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires. Our ladder system is designed to take drivers through three rungs of competition. The first step is the Cooper Tires USF 2000 Championship, which features a carbon tub Tatus chassis, 180 horsepower, and paddle shift sequential gearbox. Boost the USF 2000's output to 280 horsepower for the newly named Indy Pro 2000 program, the second rung of the road to Indy, formerly known as Pro Mazda. Add in increased grip and aero downforce, and the Tatus PM18 becomes an incredible racing machine. The final step before IndyCar is the Indy Lights Championship presented by Cooper Tires. The Dallara IL-15 boasts a whopping 450 horsepower. This car itself has helped train a third of the grid expected for the 2019 IndyCar series. At all three levels, you race at premier venues on the same dance card as IndyCar. Showcase your skills under the watchful eyes of IndyCar scouts and owners. The program is unprecedented around the world, offering the opportunity to climb the ladder with over $2 million in scholarships to the champions in USF 2000, Indy Pro 2000, and Indy Lights. Former Carters fill the roster of Road to Indy graduates in IndyCar, like Spencer Piggott, Zach Beach, Jack Harvey, Ed Jones, Matthias Laced, Felix Rosenquist, Colton Herta, and 2018 Indy Lights champion Pato Award. Recent graduates like Kyle Kirkwood are in the middle of their journeys right now as well. Follow in their footsteps. If you want to race IndyCar, there's only one choice. The Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. Welcome back to episode number 41 of the EKN Debrief. It's February 19th, 2019. My name's Rob Howden, joined by David Cole. Thank you so much for tuning into the EKN Radio Network. We appreciate it, whether you're listening to the stream on the EKN Radio Network or potentially once we've uh, produced this podcast and made it uh, downloadable to iTunes and Google Play. We do appreciate it. Moving now into the race report. I've got to work my way through all these categories. David will add a little bit in. Uh, this race report presented by Cart Republic and Cart Sport North America. The Cart Republic is here, and it's disturbing the status quo. Cart Sport North America is the country's importer and distributor for the Cart Republic chassis, and as a leader in American karting, 
They're focused on providing stability for the sport and quality products and service for the community. The Cart Republic Senior and Junior chassis are on fire, and so is the new Mini Cart, which is already won in SCUZA, USPKS, and WKA competition. For more information, contact Cartsport North America, where they offer up top quality products, winning brands, and professional driver development services. All right, David, uh, on my list, I'm going to get things underway with Pro Shifter and Master Shifter. Um, you know, it's been a battle, David, as we've seen, what, for the last how long, how long between Billy Musgrave and A.J. Myers. You know, they went out at the Super Nats, and, uh, and Musgrave was able to score his third win there, back-to-back in the Pro Shifter category. A.J. was second. Not a happy man on the podium. All those photos, he's got that, uh, that I-didn't-win look. Uh, but he turned it all around in the first couple of, of uh, rounds of the winter program and, and was strong out of the box. Uh, what do you, before I jump into it, what are your thoughts on this Musgrave Myers battle? Do you think it's going to go all year long or what? It should, uh, you know, Musgrave definitely has the, uh, the, the time with the 175 engine, the new SSE engine, engine package. So Musgrave two times super Nats winner, still that elusive pro tour championship is sitting yeah. out there. So Musgrave, I think his his number one goal all season long is to win that Pro Tour Championship. Anything else doesn't matter, aside from Supernat. So we're but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> we're not Myers, there, no. you know, with you know with this with this new uh, the Mad Old Nut Racing program and Croc Promotions, he's geared up to win another Pro Tour title as well. This time with a new team. So to be back to back championships, something that we haven't seen uh, in. I don't think in in the, in the headline uh, division in the pro tour yet. So yeah, that's it's it's going to be a, a twelve month battle. You know, and I think that the interesting thing, the newness of the one seventy five, people are getting a good feel for it. As you said, Musgrave's got a lot of seat time on it. You know, Myers has a lot of driving, so he's getting a good feel for it. I think you got to add in Kyle Wick with CRG Nordam. You, you add in Mateus Ramirez with with PSL Cardi. You know, there's a bunch of guys that you're going to add in to the fight for this championship. This is going to be interesting. Now on yeah, Saturday, no, was, yeah, we we've had no uh, repeat champions in pro tour at the, at you just went level. through your notes. Good yeah. for you. <laughs> Good for you. And so that isn't that wild nine years. And we haven't had a repeat or pro ship. Sorry, slash, back to back. Yeah. Back. To yeah. Back. I mean, I meant back to back. Yeah. Back to back champion in, in S one. Although we go three in a row for Ryan Norberg in X 30 senior. I think that even speaks more about how impressive it is for, for Norberg to win three in a row. Right. Yeah. That's just, Unbelievable. So again, so there's no chink in the armor at all for AJ Myers. The first uh, rounds of the winter tour or winter series, rather Uh, he wins both races in January struggle though, David on Saturday, a mechanical, I want to say there was a coil wire at one point. Another one, I believe was something happened with the rear, the rear gear, the sprocket. Uh, So he has a couple mechanicals. Billy Musgrave ends up winning the pre-final he wins the final as well as Myers goes out on lap number seven, even though he had turned fast lap of the race. He's out with a mechanical on lap number seven, so the string is broken. So Musgrave wins on Saturday, Kyle Wick in second, Matias Ramirez in third, and those are the names you're going to continue to hear. On Sunday, of course, I want to say that the shifters were gridded up around fourth, I think, in the order. So we don't have any rain for the main event for X30 Junior. They're dry. Second is the Briggs drivers. It pours on the Briggs drivers, bring them in, put out the micros. They're in full wet, put the Briggs out in full wet. And then Dave, it was drying up a little bit, right? So it, it was still wet, but it wasn't raining anymore. And it's funny as I, re- I ran outside from the booth and was looking at the, the pro shifter guys on the grid. Everybody's still on, 
on dries. I mean, on 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 uh, the, the rain tires, the treaded rain tires. And I was saying to Billy, "Come on, you're not going to roll the dice." And he's go, he said, "I thought about it. We were gonna we were thinking about it, but in the in the end, it was a right call to stay with the wets." But for Billy, David, you know what happens when you're thrashing from dry to wet, right? And they get out there like opening lap couple last Billy's all over the back of Musgrave who got the whole shot. And all of a sudden coming through the double apex left hander, the inner loop of the track, his left front goes gone. It just came off. The the hub slid off. He slides, slides off the racetrack. And you could see it just sitting there looking at the front wheel. Like what just happened? You know, it's, it's the kind of thing that the kind of little mistake that everybody's made, but you got to expect they just didn't quite tighten it down enough, knowing that they were probably trying to go pretty wide in the front end to get grip as well. It's yeah, it happens all the time. Happened in uh, at Cal Speed on our weekend as well too. I believe once or twice we saw that. So um, again, it's it, it happens even in dry conditions. Guys just forget to take the tires off between each session and and forget to put it on or just not tighten it the proper way. Or you know, it could have been a snapped uh, a snapped hub. Uh, I'm not sure. Sh- I'm not sure. We I'm sure yeah. you didn't didn't get a chance to no. check that out as well either. So. Uh, it's just, it's part of racing and you have to kind of overcome that. I'll be honest. It happened to me. I want to say the Florida winter tour 2000. I think I was running in the S three rookie shifter category at Ocala. I won the pre-final going away and it started to rain and then stopped and it rained again. And I had my left front come off at the end of the, going into turn number one at full speed at Ocala. And I went straight off. Luckily I didn't get into the barriers, but I went straight off and was just distraught. Same thing. I was just, I was I was by myself, right? I'm doing my own stuff. I was thrashing to get the thing set up for the rain, and uh, and off it came. So mistakes can happen. Uh, in the end, uh, Myers, of course, with that win on Sunday, goes three wins, drops the Saturday DNF. He scores the championship in the Winter Series. Musgrave was second with uh, two seconds and a first. And, of course, he dropped the DNF from Sunday. Uh, Matias Ramirez, though, David, it was interesting. Uh, he ends up third, but four podiums. The only driver in Master Shifter to be on the podium all four races. Well, that's part of the best three out of four type program. When yeah. you, when you have that drop race, you know, as you said, Myers scored the championship Well, he scored the championship with a perfect score for those three races that he counted that fourth one. If he would have counted the fourth one, that probably would have hurt him overall and likely could have possibly put Ramirez on top of the I'm championship just, podium. Probably Ramirez. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, in the Masters category, Jordan Musser dominated the action. They had a handful of drivers uh, in the weekends. Dan Montiero, uh, the Canadian running for Rawlison Performance Group, uh, you just was out there getting quicker and quicker every race. He ended up uh, finishing second both days. Uh, Brett Harrelson, I believe, third on Saturday. Luke Bola, third on Sunday. So that's your uh, that's your pro shifter and master shifter. Let's move to X30 Senior because, because uh, wow, they uh, – they made sure that we were uh, not light on excitement at all, David. Uh, on Saturday, Norberg, again, good out of the box, you know, uh, strong throughout the day, qualifying pre-final. Starts on pole for the final and kind of gets roughed up a little bit. Um, you know that national number one plate will do that for you. Uh, so the opening lap, they're coming, you know, into the inner loop for the first time out of the box in the back part of the racetrack, the uh, essentially three right-hand corners. Uh, gets shuffled out over the curbing. Guys are getting, you know, he loses one spot. And then, David, you know what happens. He's over the curbing. You lose one more. These guys are aggressive, right? He ends up going back to, I want to say, seventh on the opening lap. And it was just one of those deals where he was always in the wrong place. You know, we, when you when you make a mistake at a one corner, you're always trying to catch up. And, man, guys were diving to the inside of him. 
He tried to hold the outside of the turn four going into the inner loop. That didn't work. But, you know, in the podcast interview I did, the hot seat interview I did with Ryan David, he talked back in December after he had lost his ride with PSL when they, when they, when they went uh, separate ways. I'd asked him what he learned over the years that he's been racing. You know, here's, here's a guy that's, that's won three Pro Tour championships. What have you learned at that level? And the one thing he brought up was patience. And was the fact that if I if I make a mistake or if a guy gets by me, I'm not going to try to dive bomb him in the next corner. I'm going to set myself back up. And if I'm fast enough, I'll go past him myself. And that it was just, it was proven so well for him back in seventh. He could easily have lost his cool. He could have tried some, you know, uh, you know, low percentage, aggressive pass moves to try to get back to the front, but he just let things settle in. These are 25 lap races, David. You know this, right? That's a, it's a, you got a long way to go if you have trouble in the opening lap. And I'll tell you, Dave, he just methodically worked his way forward, was picking guys off. There's a, there's a, the coming out of the inner loop, you go through turn seven into turn eight, which is the first hairpin of the two back to back hairpins. And it's kind of a real quick transition to the right and back to the left of the hairpin. And he was just a couple passes, just an aggressive dive down to the apex, owned that apex, held the outside so the guy couldn't over under him and pulled out of the corner to get that pass. I'm telling you, David, Norberg flat controlled that race, went back to the lead. I was so impressed with that particular race more than anything he did. Even racing against Travis Anudo and everything he did in January, that was the best race I've seen Ryan run maybe ever. It was impressive to come back from seventh. Well, I, I think one thing that stood out was is, is having the speed. That was one thing that Norberg did have because he ran the fastest laps of the race by yeah. almost two-tenths of a second. So uh, when you have the fastest car down the racetrack, it's easier to 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 buy your time, and especially in a 25-lap race, just just pinpoint where you want to make your moves. So compared to a guy who's struggling, losing positions, just wants to get it right back right away because he knows if he doesn't, he might not ever get it back. That's true. That's very true, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I don't think we can overstate how strong the pairing of Rawlison Performance Group and, and Ryan Norberg have been out of the box. Will it continue for the remainder of the year? We'll see. But definitely an impression made early uh, with that uh, with, with Norberg running for RPG. Second on Saturday, Christian Brooks. Uh, he was essentially the best of the rest there. He and Patrick Woods-Toth uh, on the podium, second and third. Christian, good as always with Nash Motorsports, just tremendous in terms of being on pace. The two CRG Nordam drivers, Austin Garrison and Olin Galley, were fourth and fifth. Let's move now to Sunday, and this is where things got wild because essentially it, it developed into a uh, a four driver battle up front for the race win. Olin Galley in the lead. Now he had to, let's revert back real quickly. He actually had a penalty rolling throughout the uh, of the day during that race because he got into to Lorenzo Travis Anuto. Uh, you know, your reigning world champion running for Cart, uh, Cart Republic and Cart Sport North America. He actually essentially took Travis Anuto out in, I believe it was turn number 10, I think they said. And Travis Anuto fell all the way back, I think, to the tail end of the top 10, maybe even outside the top 10. So the penalty was already there for Galley. But the run at the end was Olin Galley. Uh, Christian Brooks was all over him trying to find a way. Brooks was setting himself up for the chance to win. There's no doubt about it. Norberg and his teammate Patrick Woods-Toth, the young Canadian, third and fourth. They were right there, four drivers pulling away. We're talking about, you know, drop the gloves in the final couple of laps. Here we go. They go into that seven, eight combination I talked about, that right left into the hairpin combination. And uh, Galley, I want to say short bricked. Now, somebody told me, or you know, I 
have heard news that Galley's front bumper was already pushed in, so he already knew that he had a 10-second penalty coming or a five-second penalty. It looked to me like he short-braked on Brooks going into eight because Brooks obviously wanted to make a move to the inside to try to take it. He short-braked. Brooks gets hammered there. Whether or not he had the pushback from that or they come out of eight and go down to turn number nine, again, Galley to the bottom. Brooks is right with him. He short-breaks going in to make the corner. Brooks goes way around the outside, makes a big dart to the outside of the right-hander, and then actually rolls the outside. Like I said in the mic, rolled the cushion on the outside, all the, because no track limits, all the way to the other side of the curbing. He comes back as the leader. Uh, when they come across the line, Brooks is the winner. Uh, Galley second, Norberg third, Woods taught fourth. Both Brooks and Galley. Brooks, of course, gets a penalty for the pushback. I'm not sure if that was it. Galley got a couple of penalties. A jump start, I think, was one of them. <laughs> I think he got a jump start. I think he got contact with Travis Nuto and the pushback. He ends up going all the way back to like 18th or something. Uh, and Ryan Norberg ends up with another win from third. It's there. It was a wild finish for sure. Yeah, you're right. There was a jump start penalty, three seconds for Galley, and then obviously the contact with uh, Travis Nuto. That was a five second penalty, but no pushback penalty on Galley. So- I thought I was sure he had a. I was sure he had a pushback. I, I I ran from my booth into the into tech just to try to see who if had. There was. They didn't mark it down because it was it was Brooks. It was and then two other drivers with pushback penalties. So uh, yeah, that uh, you know again that's that's one of the things we we've projected when the pushback bumper came in was guys were going to break check one another. And some, yeah. I think this is probably the first more highlighted, more focused. Uh, incident that we've seen of this and and to be clear uh, with the onboard it wasn't it didn't look as obvious as it might have been in real time or while it happened but you know again it's it's part of racing you know don't don't follow the guy into the corner uh if he if he's diving to the inside and and he's going to check up early you know hug hug the cushion go to the outside well, I'll tell you this. We have a lot of talk about the marsh- video marshalling system. And everybody, you know, we talk about what we think we see on track. Of course, you know, I, I'm calling, I'm looking straight across the track from where I am at start finish. And I, you know, I've, I've watched it all weekend long. So I, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with kind of the speeds and the corner speeds. And so I look at it and visually, and to me, it felt like he short bricked just from what I saw, right? And calling it. And I believe there was contact. Well, Joe Janowski let me look at the video and they had, you know, two camera angles, but just the way the cameras were angled, I couldn't tell you, I, I, I myself couldn't have made the call that it indeed happened there. And, you know, and that's, and then that just made me again, think, Hey, you know what? You're right. My perspective is one thing. It's not always correct. It's my perspective. And you just wish people on the, pa- on, you know, people on the great, on the, on the sidelines would feel the same thing. Cause they just, they, it's, it was even hard to see from video marshalling, David. But the bottom line is, <laughs> penalties come down. It's another one-two for uh, Ryan Norberg and Patrick Woodstoth. Uh Austin Garrison gets advanced up into the into the third position because uh, he was fifth on the racetrack. He ends up third. Arthur Lace from PSL in fourth, and Brandon Lemke in the Franklin Motorsports Merlin. Uh, better run on Sunday after getting a flat tire at the very start of Saturday. He comes back and ends up finishing fifth. It was, hey, you know what? One of the reasons why we love this sport so much is because everybody's so passionate about it, but the racing's just so damn good. And yeah, there was some contact, but I'll tell you, dude, that it was fun to watch. It was just, it was guys dropping the gloves and going out in the final lap. It was awesome. That's what you want to see at that level. That's really, that's really it. I totally agree. 
Uh, Norberg, of course, completes uh, an incredible series debut uh, with Rawlison, ends up winning three of four races, second in the other one to take the championship. Patrick Woodstock, the young 15-year-old Canadian, probably you know one of the stars of the, of the entire program, how good he was. Uh, he ends up in second and reigning world champion Lorenzo Travis Anuto, who, of course, just scored the victory at the Winter Cup at South Garda, uh, finishing in third. So, David, some pretty impressive runs in X30 Senior. My mind is we're going to have another awesome year in the Pro Tour because there's a bunch of young kids coming up that look good, but everybody's kind of stabilizing. The big teams have got talented drivers, and, man, it's uh, Pro Tour Cal Speed's going to be good. I believe it. Well, just like you said, Patrick Woods-Toth, that's a great addition to RPG along with Norberg. So those guys, along with, you know, what are the Lupians doing? Are they are they coming back for the Pro Tour? So, And then you add in Hannah Greenmeyer in, yeah. in the RPG. And then you look at CRG adding Austin Garrison with Franklin adding, bringing back Brandon Lemke. So a lot of these, uh, these teams, as you said, they're stacking the deck uh, going into Cal Speed. So it's a matter of who can come out of there first uh, as the championship leader. Yeah, hearing a rumor that uh, PSL Cardi potentially could be bringing back Ryan McDermott as well. He's doing some F4 racing this year, so that could make things a little bit interesting. But you're right, it's, uh, it's a lot of good stuff happening right now in X30 Senior. Excuse me. Let's move to X30 Master because essentially the weekend was this battle between Renato Jader David, uh, Rodrigo Piquet, Scott Robertson, and Martin Pierce. Those were really the four drivers who were badasses throughout the weekend. Uh, Renato Jader David, former Super Nationals winner, essentially, I wouldn't say dominated, but he was the guy really to beat throughout Saturday. He was able to get the win by three seconds over Scott Roberts and Martin Pierce. Pierce has got a great story to tell later on, but of course, Martin running with the comp cart now. Martin, a former Rotax World uh, Grand Final winner. On Sunday, so Jadar David ends up winning again. A race-long battle with Rodrigo Piquet. They pull out to the battle uh, amongst each other. They were the two drivers essentially fighting for the championship, but they're scrapping it out for the race win. David gets it. My focus for majority of the race, and I felt bad about it because it was just Martin Pierce, David, coming from the tail of the field. He had an issue after the pre-final. I think he finished third in the pre-final, but the rear track was too wide, like a margin, like a hair too wide. So he starts dead last in the final. And you've, Dave, you've know, you know Martin. You've watched him race when he came over with Wildcart to run at the Rock Island Grand Prix. You know how you just know how talented of a driver he is. And Martin was just an absolute surgeon coming through the field. Just and it was that turn eight hairpin, the first of the two hairpins. He'd come out of seven, roll the thing to the you know to the left side of the track. Everybody else is going right to set up to get around that corner, and boom, right to the apex. His ability to work his way to the front was just tremendous to watch. Decisive passes goes from what what sixteenth, whatever it may have been. How many how many guys we have in Masters? Sixteen, sixteenth to third over a shortened race too. They only ran. I want to say they ran. 19 laps it was scheduled to be a 22 lap or we cut some laps because of the rain 18 laps 18 was 18 okay cut four laps boom he dude third place it was it was an impressive run back to the front and not not the quickest got lap out there but no the, probably the most consistent i mean he was right there running lap times compared to the leaders uh but again you know he's he's almost like an older ben cooper very experienced world champion yeah. Um, you know, it's great to have him here now living in the United States and, and, you know, doing technical work here and there, but also getting back behind the wheel. So very cool to see him back. Yeah. And like Ben Cooper, very, uh, you know, 
decisive when it comes to making his passes, yes. right? Very clean, yes. like you know what I mean. Just takes them. Like it, it's not, it's not this wishy washy. I'm coming inside you to, to to kind of rub you out of the corner. It's I'm taking the apex, and and you're going behind me after this corner. So that's that was pretty impressive. Renato Davy did score the championship for Orsalon Racing. Uh, PK was second, and uh, Scott Roberts third overall. Roberts was really quick, David. I know uh, we have a lot of fun with Scotty when we're at the racetrack, uh, jibbing each other left and right. But the bottom line was he just had a lot of speed. Uh, qualified on pole a couple of the weekends, I think. And uh, Scott Roberts looking really good too. He could, uh, you know, of course, running with with Mike and Alex Speed right at Speed Race uh, Speed Concepts Racing. Um, Scotty was fast. I think he's going to be good this year. I think he's getting more consistent. That's probably the key to uh, to what he's been able to do because we've always Agreed. seen we've always seen the speed coming out of him. But I think it's it's consistent speed because he could have been the USBKS championship champion in 2018, but a couple early mistakes in the year, early in the season, kind of cost him that championship run. So the speed is there definitely for sure. I think it's more consistency now. Yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head. If he if he can get more consistent, uh, he was running with Dave Eden PK the whole time. Just a little bit more consistency throughout the race, a race weekend, and throughout any individual run. Uh, I think Scott Roberts will definitely be in the fight for the championship this year. Uh, we'll cap off this particular segment of the race report. Again, brought to you by Cart Sport North America and Cart Republic. Uh, we'll move to X Thirty Junior. And it, for me on Saturday, it was one of those deals where finally uh, this young driver was able to break through and not only avoid some bad luck, but actually kind of come into his own to a certain extent. And I'm talking about Mackenzie Clark, who runs for prime power team, uh, Trevor Wickens. Um, best career performance, of course, raced hard within the lead group all race long. But the difference was he was in that lead group. And instead of kind of letting that group dictate where he was going to be and potentially what he was going to do. It seemed to me like McKenzie this time really stepped up and kind of managed it. He knew where he wanted to be. Uh, he had that confidence, you know, in his cart, like I think Norberg has with his RPG cosmic. It just seemed like he knew where he wanted to be when he wanted the lead, he would go to the lead. And, and David, you know, we've seen this so many times when a young driver gets that first big win. I think the, the relief off of, off of McKenzie was massive uh, because he's had so many good runs thwarted by bad luck drivers, you know, piling over the back of them, whatever it may be. This one, though, clear, super run, was able to score a, a really impressive win over uh, Luca Mars and Noel Leon. It was impressive for, for Clark to get that win. Yeah, it's good. It's good to see him uh, step out away from the bad luck that he's had. Uh, it kind of reminds you of the Ryan McDermott win last year at the Summer Nats, you know, just finally able to get that. Yeah that elusive victory. And so now Clark has been able to follow in that footsteps with, uh, with prime power sports. And uh, so, yeah, definitely good to see. Now it's a matter of what, what's he going to do for the rest of the year? <laughs> well, I will say that he came back for another, uh, another great podium finish on Sunday. So that's a pretty good follow-up, but you're right. What's going to happen a pro tour or whatever else he runs here in 2019. Luca Mars was super strong all weekend. He ends up second, as I said, Noel Leon, the driver for CRG Nordam out of Mexico, that third place isn't just a third place. I'm not sure what happened. Something happened in qualifying. He ended up starting 46, dead last in the pre-final. Over that run, I think 18 laps or whatever. No, it was 13 laps, something like it. It wasn't even 18. 13 laps, I think. He went from 46th up until, I think, 15th or 16th. So he's a row A start for the eight start for the main event. And then David worked his way forward, just like Martin Pierce, aggressive going to the front. 
ends up with a third place finish. And in fact, was closed and closed up on Luca Mars at the end. Um, I, I hope he runs the pro tour because Leon was just damn impressive on the CRG. That's good to see. Yeah. It's yeah. the CRG, uh, Nordam operations definitely putting in, uh, some, some hired guns, uh, at the winter series. And I think moving forward for the rest of the season, because they're really, uh, really trying to to become that powerhouse that uh, that they, that they've been worldwide. No doubt. So coming into Sunday the final race since your championship Sunday of the Winter Series, the title up for grabs an X30 Junior and it was actually Luca Bars who rose to the occasion, very strong run for Luca. Um he ends up taking the victory off track because Leon actually got the win. He was able to get the win. No Leon who was third on Saturday ends up getting the victory, but he got a jumpstart penalty that put him back. So Luca Mars ends up getting the win. And with that, the ch- the championship over Diego Conteca by just 25 points. Um, Mackenzie Clark, as I said, came back to finish second on Sunday. Strong backup uh, performance after that win. And then Diego Conteca was third. Think about how close that was, you know, the change in points. Even if even if Diego was fourth and Luca was second with, with Leon still P1, uh, and had he not got the penalty, it still would have been Mars winning the championship. But David, how many times do you and I talk about this over the season when maybe a guy does, sits fifth in a pre-final and doesn't go for fourth or third when it comes down to a handful of points at the end, 25 or less? That's that's a little tough to take sometimes because even though in a pre-final, you know, hey, I want to start third, I don't want to start second. When you're giving up those points, you could be giving up a championship. That's exactly it. That's why, uh, in at least in Supercarts USA competition, every session is is valuable towards a championship. But going back to uh, Lyon, I mean, how many more jump starts are we going to have in, in Supercarts USA competition? Are are people not understanding the rules? I mean, what's <laughs> or is it just blue... Dave? You can't miss the blue cones. Like they're I, right there. I mean, he's the pole sitter. How many times are we going to see the pole sitter getting a jump start penalty? That that just it boggles my mind that we're f- so m- focused on that. It it shouldn't be a penalty. It really shouldn't be. I mean, the pole setter sets the pace. Well, hold on then. <clears throat> I okay, I I agree with that. But if the rule is you can't punch off with it until you get to the blue cone, don't punch off till you get to the blue cone. But again, you got to define the punching off. Don't accelerate. It's 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 a it's do not start your acceleration before the blue cone, and you obviously yeah. did right. You're right. I don't like it. I think you come out of the corner, and you're the, the point. You're the guy, yeah. and away you go. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. It, I agree with what it, you're saying, but yeah. the rule is this: you got to do it. It's just yeah. But we're seeing we're seeing too many guys losing victories now because of it, even though it is in their hands to do it when they want to do it. So that I'll just leave it at that. We can talk about it another time. <laughs> is this a roundtable? Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's uh, let's just cap off real quick. A quick summary on X30 Junior. As I said, the Luca Mars with the championship by 25 points over Diego Conteca. Uh, Luke Lang finishes in third on the strength of his one-two finish at the opener, but not quite able to match that performance uh, when we got back to Homestead in February. He was still fast, but he wasn't as quick as he was when we started off the season in January. All right, final break of this podcast. When we come back, we've got the KA100. Mini, micro, and we'll wrap things up with our Briggs 206 categories. Again, this is the EKN Debrief on the EKN Radio Network. In a sport where the difference between winning and losing is measured in hundreds of a second, 
you can't afford to leave anything on the table. You invest in the best equipment, the latest components, and top-of-the-line data acquisition systems. Anything to find one more tent, right? I'll tell you right now, the best investment you could ever make is in yourself. If you want to improve your results, it's time for professional instruction and coaching at the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. Located at the new state-of-the-art speed sports racing park just north of Houston, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy uses the very best equipment, Burrell Art Carts. They offer half-day, one-day, two-day, and three-day clinics. They have a one-on-one student-to-instructor ratio, and they will design a customized curriculum for each student. Alan Rudolph is one of the most respected people in the sport, and he has nearly 20 years' experience training drivers, including Chase Elliott, Neil Alberico, Austin Versteeg, and Sabre Cook, and rising stars like Pietro Fittipaldi. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Start off your season with a driver tune-up. Tune-up your season with some driver coaching. Or get ready for the big races by training with the best. Reserve your dates now by calling 866-607-RACE. That's 866-607-7223. For more information, visit speedsportsracingpark.com slash racing hyphen academy. Attention Carters of the Midwest. Supercarts USA is back. Scusa is returning to its roots with the launch of the new Great Lakes Pro Kart Challenge. It's four events at three great venues, Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Newcastle Motorsports Park, Concept Hauler's Motor Speedway, and Road America. This is your chance to run all the Scusa categories in X30, KA100, Mini, and Micro Swift. And of course, it's Scusa where Scusa was born, so the shifter carts will be front and center. The Great Lakes Pro Car Challenge will be your place to race stock Honda and the awesome new IAMI SSE 175cc shifter. Finally, Midwest racers can compete in a Scusa Regional Series, and if it's your goal, prepare for the National Pro Tour. Follow Supercarts USA's newest regional program on Facebook at Scusa Great Lakes PKC and on Instagram at Scusa Great Lakes. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. My name is Rob Howden, joined by David Cole as we break down the most recent Supercarts USA Winter Series event, the finale, rounds three and four from AMR Homestead Miami Motorplex, presented by MG Tires. We are working our way through our race report, brought to you by Cart Republic and Cart Sport North America. Let's do a quick little synopsis of our KA100 junior and senior categories. On Saturday, Santiago Biaggi, essentially Biaggi, let's just put it this way, he dominated the weekend. Biagi drives from fifth to the win uh, with a fast lap. Didn't have a great pre-final, but came right back on Saturday. He wins over Bryson Morris and Annie Rule. Another great run for Annie, again, with the solo cart. Uh, on Sunday, Biagi comes back, flat dominates the day, sweeps all three sessions, and wins by five, sec- uh, five seconds. Good four-cart battle, though, for second, third, fourth, fifth. Uh, it was William Cox finishing second. Mateo Rubio Luengo, who swept the January event, he ends up finishing third, Dylan Christie in fourth, and Andy Rule in fifth. And David, K100, I think you and I are both excited to a certain extent see it uh, grow. We're not big fans of it being on the on the national tour, but 
the racing is always so good. The, you know, the, the engine's so evenly matched and the racing that second back to fifth, it was just old school, hundred CC racing. It was fun to watch. Yeah. Yes and no, but it allows some of these drivers that you've mentioned, uh, to, to gain more track time and, and experience racing up front, because these are guys that we didn't talk about in X 30 junior. So True. that's, that's the good side of it. But again, numbers wise, I think, yeah, it, it doesn't belong there, but you know, going back to uh, Mateo Rubio Luengo, that though, that DNF in the pre-final, uh, I think in the second round, was it? I think that cost him the title, didn't it? Well, it ended up being 19 points. Uh, Biagi scored the, the title over Mateo Rubio Luengo by 19. Big finish, of course, for Biagi to win both races. And, and you know, all, that's all it takes, right? It just 19 points. So you have a DNF like that. Now, granted, he was able to race back to the front, as you said, in January. But what do you do? It's, it's, it's that close, especially as you, and you pointed out, when you're talking about a four-race deal with one drop, it's only three races, right? It's not like you need that consistency over six events with one drop or or eight events with one drop. It's just a it's a different approach, and you just cannot make a mistake. Yep. That's all it comes down to. It's all it comes down to. Uh, Bryson Morris finished third overall in the uh, the K100 Junior category. Senior just didn't have the numbers. It didn't draw at all. Two drivers um, in the first round: Colton Ramsey and Julia Boos. I think. Uh, they had what? They had one more driver. Brett Harrelson ran, a, I think, a couple of sessions, or maybe just Saturday. Uh, this particular weekend, Nathan Martin came and he raced. Uh, he ran. Um, he actually got the win on Sunday, although he didn't finish the race. Julia got a uh, penalty for rough driving, so uh, Martin ended up getting the win on the Sunday race. Julia Booz came back. She beat uh, Nathan Martin by four seconds, so she gets the victory on Sunday and wins the championship as the only driver uh, to actually card three results. So. All in all, not a good program for K100. Talk to some guys trackside. They seem to think that more guys are going to come next year. I don't know. I think it's one of those deals, David, for Scusa, you got to say, hey, if we have 10 pre-entries by, you know, whatever, December 15th, we'll run K100 Senior. I don't I don't know that you can run it if you didn't have anybody the first round. Yeah, I think you have to do the numbers situation where if there's not enough pre-entries, you just got to drop it. And again, they ran together with K100 Junior, so it's not like it's going to extend the, the day at all, but still, no sense in having two people uh, drive all the way down to Florida to go racing. Uh, let's go to Mini Swift, because uh, this is just one of those races we always love watching. The racing so good, the racecraft tremendous, and we're what we're, it's interesting we're seeing a bunch of the drivers that have come out of micro be really good out of the box. Caleb Gaffera being one of them, um, watching some of these guys, Max Garcia as well. Boom, out of the box, super strong. But on Saturday, the driver was able to work his way forward, starting in the sixth position. Does have some pretty good momentum right now. Coming off, of course, David, that victory at Daytona. Christian Miles for Cartsport North America started sixth, worked his way into the fight for the win, and then actually won it. You know, it was one of those things where he had to get in there and get the elbows up and and actually position himself, do the strategy to be able to win the race. So he comes away with a big victory. Jakob Kolar in second and Kai Sorensen in third you see christian miles race a lot guy a guy you figure is going to run for some wins this year across the different platforms well he's got that full first season of mini racing under his belt so this yeah. is a sophomore season we'll, we either see a super season or we see a slump and and i think miles is going to have a super season already starting out as you said with two victories at daytona 
and now getting a, a winter series victory added onto that, you know, he's going to go into probably USPKS and, and pro tour competition with some good momentum uh, for 2019. As I had said before, some really good speed shown by some drivers. I had mentioned Caleb Gaffera coming up from micro. He wasn't quite as quick this particular uh, weekend. He was really good in January. Battled a bit getting the feel, I think, for the reverse track direction, although he qualified on pole on Sunday, so <laughs> he's pretty fast. Just had a couple of minor issues, but was still there in the top 10. Jack Jeffers is really strong. Jakob Kolar putting down really, really good laps on the Formula K. I think Jakob's going to be strong. Paul Bocuse was very quick as well. But I think the driver they're all going to be chasing here, at least for the first half of the season and maybe throughout the 2019 program, David, is Kai Sorensen. Kai running with Super Tune USA, third, as we said, on Saturday. But he pretty much dominated the day on Sunday after qualifying second to Gaffera, won the pre-final, and flat walked away in the final. I want to say it was five or six or seven seconds was the, was the margin for Sorensen on Sunday. Jack Jeffers from Texas, he's definitely going to be a championship contender. He finishes second. Jakob Kolar third. That's your podium for Mini Swift on Sunday. Bottom line, uh, pretty solid run. Kai Sorensen scoring that championship in the mini Swift class. There's just a lot of talent, David. And you think about Sorensen, his time to shine, right? He was the micro Swift champion, what, three years ago? I want, I want to say 2016. I think he was, a, he was the Pro Tour micro Swift champion. He was the uh, inaugural champion in 2016 for micro Swift. So he's in his third year of, of mini, and it's obviously time to shine, right? Third year, get out there and get it done. That's exactly it. Yeah, because you're you're going to assume that he's going to move up to junior next year. Yep. You know, uh dep- you know, obviously with the age depending on where he's at, but yeah, you know, good great start to to 2019. Uh, you know, getting getting the winter series title under his belt. So again, another another uh trophy to add to the uh, mantle. Uh but to, but to be able to win, you know, twice in the in the four rounds is definitely solid. Well, if Kai moves to junior, it'll be age, not height. Yeah. Because I think I'm pretty sure his dad's a taller guy. I think there's a growth spurt coming, but Kai has not grown that much <laughs> since running micro. It's there'll be a growth spurt coming here pretty soon for sure. But Kai definitely with a lot of speed. I was impressed with his consistency and his speed throughout the entire winter series. He's going to be very good when we get to foot uh, to cow speed as well. Uh, into the micro swift class. And David, I think the storyline for micro swift for 2019 is going to be new winners. You know, we had so many of the top drivers of that category move up. We mentioned Garcia, Gaffera, Danny Dazelski moving up as well. A, a number of the drivers have moved forward. You obviously saw a couple of guys that have moved from the from the uh, from the mini micro rock to mini rock in the Challenge of the Americas. A lot of guys moving up, so it kind of makes way for new guys to to work their way to the front. Uh, in the at the Winter Tour, it was all about Mateus Orjuela. Um, started the winter tour off in the peril and i believe he was on the praga moved over to the praga uh for this particular weekend and again absolutely flat essentially dominated the whole thing got chased by carson walters the young lady in the tony carts uh, on saturday she finished second jack Iliff from texas a strong third place run but about 10 seconds back but still really good run for john uh, jack Iliff. uh on sunday wet race and i mentioned this before the x30 juniors ran their race in the dry their main they were the only ones uh, to come out of the box. And the rain hit, of course, for Briggs. And with a fully wet track, we sent the Micro Swifts out. And as I said at the very top of the, of the podcast, so impressive. They were good. They got through the opening lap with no issues. David, you always, you know, in the wet, you're always thinking maybe the first corner, right? <laughs> you're crossing your fingers. Please don't wreck in the first corner. 
Well, the good thing is, is that the, the, the rain was quick, right? It wasn't actually raining when they went on a racetrack. So it was, but standing was, water, there was a lot of standing it's water. It's a wet track. So I think the micros, they tend to do a better job. And we had the same situation where our micros were on track, uh, on a wet track, but it wasn't raining. So visually, you know, I think that's one of the problems is when it does rain, they can't really see, you know, you got the visor fogging up. There's a lot of different scenarios that go on while it's raining but thankfully you know for them it wasn't raining but yeah it's able to avoid those standing waters you know hydroplaning with the you know barely over 200 pound go-kart together exactly so uh yeah that's that's definitely a, a challenge but i think i think when it's not raining it makes it a lot easier for for these young drivers Mateus Orjuela, as I said, fastest driver all week, and he flat walked away in the wet. Just an impressive young man. Uh, also an impressive drive for Luis Umana. He had issue in the in the pre-final, started dead last, drove up from 15th to 2nd in the wet. Uh, Umana turned some really quick lap times. And back on the podium again, he was on the podium in January. Enzo Vidmontien from Quebec, Canada, uh, coming home in the uh, third position. Let's uh, do a quick run through Briggs, the 206 category. Saturday, Colin Warren winning unchallenged. Of course, uh, he uh, was the dominant driver last year, won all about uh, every session last year en route to the championship in 206 senior. Jack Copeland second, Frankie Barroso in third. Uh, on Sunday in the wet, as we said, it was it was the Briggs drivers that got rained on. Then they came back out after micro. Wet racetrack. And the rain really shook everything up, David. It was, it was wild because – only one driver decided to go out on wets, and that was Austin Morris. The guys from Comet Kart Sales put him on the on the reins. Dude, you're going to go out there and kick everybody's butt. Track didn't dry up fast enough. Austin just had a couple of spins early. He had one big spin that put him well back, and he was trying to dig his way forward. He was about a second and a half quicker uh, than the leader, but had such a gap to come back on. That said, I don't know how Jack Copeland was as fast as he was on dries in the wet. I don't know if it was uh, Rudy Ramsroop and Luke Chiovidi at, uh, at Rice Racing. Chiovidi had him dialed in because, dude, he was so fast. I could watch him roll into one. I can't believe how quick he was rolling into one. They had, they, did, they had some kind of special setup on that thing. He was only about a second slower in full wet conditions. I couldn't believe it. Stagger special match perfect. That, that, yeah, that's it. They pulled a hairy hog on it. They did they did something. Zach Skolnick was pretty good, too, as well. He was in second. He was running with uh, Ventresca Severus Racing, uh, Terry Ventresca. He chased him all race long, but, you know, started to lose the gap through. Austin Morris actually did end up finishing in, in third spot. He, as I said, was about a second and a half quicker, but another spin late in the race. I put him further so, back as well. So he was on wets, but spinning out, and everybody was on dries, not spinning out? Well, you got to think that exactly same question I had in my mind, but you got to think knowing that he's on wets and knowing that he's trying to win, he's probably trying to roll more corner speed than he needed to, right? Even though you're on wets, you're still not hammering the, some of the corners. It's about placing yourself in the right spot. I I wasn't able to follow him enough to see where he was in terms of, you know, what, what kind of lines he was taking, but yeah, it's uh, I'm sure he got a ribbon pretty good from the boys at comment for not winning that one. Yeah. Yeah. Because right? yeah, his fast lap was, was, three seconds slower than the quick lap of the race by Colin. Well, Warren. at the end of the, yeah, at the end, it started to dry up a little bit, right? Well, that, yeah, that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> that does. That does. Uh, regardless, Col- uh, Colin Warren ended up winning the championship with those two victories and a second place finish Copeland uh, with that win on Sunday, uh, finishing second overall in the championship. 
Uh, in the Briggs 206 Masters class, Eli Yanko, last year's champion in Briggs Masters, uh, ends up uh, with a great battle for the win with Dan Breitenstein, the local pilot. Uh, he ends up uh, finishing second, Andre Duick in third. And then on Sunday, and again, in that wet race, all those drivers on dries. And Andre Duick was the impressive driver on the dries, putting good laps down. Absolutely flat dominated on the dries. 15-second win over Jorge Ruiz, who actually won the championship in the process, finishing second, and Dan Breitenstein in third. Ruiz wins the title narrowly over defending champion Eli Yanko by 25 points. David, there's your wrap-up, the race report from this particular event in Florida. Got to have fun racing Briggs and dry tires on the wet track. That's got to be fun. That would be so much fun. I would love that. It would have been great. All right, Dave, let's cap things off. Let's jump uh, forward and start looking at what's on the horizon for you and I. We're, uh, we've got some races to head to in March, a couple of weeks here at home uh, after our trips to Homestead and Fontana, but we're back on the road soon. This is the EKN Trackside Live race calendar presented by IAMI USA. IAMI USA is the importer and distributor of the hottest two-cycle engine program in American karting. Featuring the SSE 175cc gearbox, X30, KA100, and Swift engines, which can be found at club, regional, and national racing events from coast to coast. IAMI USA's dedication to quality and customer service is second to none. IAMI is also a proud supporter of programs such as the United States Pro Kart Series, WK Manufacturers Cup, F Series Gear Up Challenge, and the Supercarts USA Pro Tour, Winter Series, and Pro Kart Challenges. All right, let's have a look at our schedule, Dave. You know, I was just thinking, I should get you to do a couple of those reads. Why am I always doing them? Uh, Because you can pronounce things correctly. (laughs) Uh, Your voice is better. Um, You're the boss. A couple of good. Um, That's three good ones. That's three good ones. That's good enough. Yeah, if I'm the boss, boss, I could just make you do it. It sounds better. So that trumps you you trying to make me do it. I think you developed a pretty good voice, David, to be honest with you. Well, we we could just have somebody read it and then and for us, you know, that's, that's, true. We could, that's, and then that's the other option. In. Yeah, I like I like it. I like it. All right, David, let's let's talk about this. We're what's February 19th, Tuesday. We're what uh, nine days away from getting on a plane and heading to LAX for the opening round of the Supercarts USA Pro Tour. It's the Winter Nationals, the third running of the Winter Nationals at Cal Speed Karting Center in Fontana, March one, two, three. And, dude, we'll have a full live ECAN coverage. Alicia Hodas can be with us as well. Social media queen. We're going to have things rocking. Uh, we'll take the coverage to a next level for this one. Are you excited about getting back to Cal Speed for what could be a massive winter nats? As long as the weather is good. <laughs> uh, if it doesn't rain, I'll be happy. I'll be excited. But, again, you know, the rain racing provides some excitement, some different drama. So we'll see uh, how everything unfolds there uh, in Fontana. Can I make one note on that? If it does rain, remember, you don't have to go outside with the camera because Todd McCall and Ken Johnson can be out in the wet. It's true. We can be in the we can, you can be in the booth. We can be rocking. You can I, you, I can come to you for some expert opinion on the commentary. We can let Todd and Ken slog it out in the wet. I I will warn you if it does rain, you won't be able to see anything out of the booth. Yeah, what? what tell me, it doesn't fog up. What was it? Just no, it just the it depends on the way the, the the direction of the rain. And every time it rained, we couldn't see out of the booth, so we would just kind of you know, oh, they, you know, there's something <laughs> going on, and da da da. Oh man, really? So, oh man, okay. 
So we we just need we just need Mike Smith to uh, to to manufacture an awning over the window, so that way the window doesn't get wet. And then we can see out of it. We'll drop an email to uh, Mike Smith. I'm sure he's listening. I'm sure he's listening. He will. He will. You're right. You're right. All right. So the week after that, David's home for what a couple of days. You'll be home Monday. You'll be home Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, Thursday night, you'll be back on the road. Challenge of the Americas, round number two at Tucson, Arizona, the Muscleman Honda Circuit, uh, March 8th, 9th, and 10th. Another EKN live show to uh, to listen to on, of course, uh, the website, ecardinews.com slash live. And it's uh, it'll be Eric Brennan on the mic. There's a conflict. I'm actually at the, uh, the IndyCar race uh, at St. Petersburg, the Road to Indy event. I'll be there for that. Even uh, Tim Chapman, Chappie, who announced the first round of the challenge, can't be there either. So bringing in Eric Brennan who is the voice for EKN at the WK Manufacturers Cup races. David, uh, you get to work with Eric in California. Is he a is he a, a burger guy? Like, is he a in-and-out burger guy, you think? Well, s- sometimes you got to bring in the young rookie, you know, to to, to take over the, d- the duties for the veterans who are getting old and, and can't it. quite hang where they're at. But, um, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, that's one so- something we haven't done. Me and Eric haven't gone out to dinner yet. Um, right. We're typically WK weekends a little busy. And I, I, I don't eat, I eat later and he typically goes out, uh, with the, with the staff. So, uh, yeah, we'll see, uh, we'll probably get some Mexican food, uh, yeah. one night and probably a good burger somewhere else, you know, obviously in and out and, uh, crossroads, yeah, crossroads, cross, crossroads it is. Uh, you know what? I don't know if Brennan's ready for the FTK crew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want pics from the trailer. All right. Uh, all right. So our second hashtag dual weekend of the year at the end of March, March 29th, 3031. David's going to be at the uh, second round of WK Manufacturers Cup. Of course, the first round Daytona uh, back in December. But uh, March 29, 3031, WK Manufacturers Cup Series at the GoPro Motorplex in Mooresville, North Carolina. David's got some hot spots for food there as well. And of course, Eric Brennan, once again, will be on the mic for WKA. I will be in Texas, Denton, Texas, to be exact, just north of Dallas at NTK, uh, North Texas Carters Raceway for the opening round of the Texas Pro Car Challenge. Really enjoyed myself with Gina and Mark French last year. David, another WKA round coming off what was a good Daytona. I'm sure you're looking forward to getting back to GoPro. Yeah, always going to GoPro is, is fun and exciting. It'll probably rain there too, so... I'm hoping not for uh, you know another rain weekend and you know oh my god if it probably won't rain in Tucson so I, I should be good there but I'm I'm guessing Cal Speed's going to rain and Morrisville going to rain so I'm going to go three for four on the f- start of this year. What I'm saying for Tucson is you might have like 28 degrees Fahrenheit in the morning when you get there. You know what? I will take that you will? because me, me, Shelby, and Eric will be up in their two second story penthouse. True. Uh, getting getting the sun beating in on us, yeah, which right. will be nice. You're right. You're right. All right, let's it wrap. was great. Hey, when everybody was freezing, it was great for us in there. I loved it up there. I love that town. I can't wait. To, uh, hopefully, there will be no conflicts next year, and I'll be able to get back on the mic for all three of the Challenge of the Americas events. I'm, uh, I'm missing being there with the crew, and I look forward to joining them them in April when we get out to Sonoma for the finale. I'll be back for that one. Uh, let's wrap things up for the WK or the Supercarts USA Winter Series finale at Homestead. Uh, David, as we normally do to wrap things up, kind of looking at the Constructors' Championship breakdown, 10 different brands scoring wins uh, in Homestead. Tony Cart with a big one. Uh, they uh, they got a couple of wins in in the 206 categories, a couple of wins, of course, with uh, Renato Jader-David as well in, um, in the X30 Master. Of course, uh, Kai Sorensen with a win. They get seven victories. Burrell with four. 
Cosmic 2, along with Praga and Xpree, and one win each for Croc Promotion, Cart Republic, Illuminos, VLR, and FA Cart. Another good split, 10 different brands scoring wins to cap off the winner series. Uh, just to let you know that all four OTK brands scored a victory. Again? Again. Well, remember, Coda was just one each, though. That was the difference, right? Remember, T- Tony Card had one, Spree had one, FA had one, and Cosmic had one. This time, what do they get total? Seven, nine, 10, 11, 12 wins total. Wow. So, yeah, pretty – well, it's OTK country down in Florida, right? It is. So uh, it helps to have the headquarters there. That's true enough. True enough. All right, folks, we're going to cap things off here again. The Winter Series, really just a great opportunity to see who the players, primary players probably were, especially when you think about the transition between essentially what was a parking lot race at Homestead to what is, as David has mentioned, a parking lot race at uh, at Cal Speed. A little different with the sealer down, elevation changes at Cal Speed as well. That's definitely pl- going to play a role, is it not, David? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, folks, there you go. We're going to wrap things up. This has been episode number 41 of the EKN Debrief. Thanks to David for sitting in with me here as I gave my review of the final rounds of the Supercarts USA Winter Series in Homestead. As we said, winter program done for Scusa. They will look forward now, of course, to the Pro Tour, the three-race Winter Nationals, Spring Nationals, Summer Nationals. They've got the California Pro Car Challenge kicking off in, I believe, late March as well. The Texas Pro Car Challenge, we said, kicking off. And again, uh, in what, early to mid-April, the Great Lakes Pro Car Challenge. Scusa's a return to essentially what has been the home or where really Scusa grew up, where it developed in the Great Lakes regions with the Janowskis. Wrapping things up for the Scusa Winter Series on behalf of David Cole, my name's Rob Howden. Bye for now. 